0: Welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. Yesterday. Yes. So it was this weekend, Saturday. um, FOM on Formula One's official Twitter feed posted that we are 70 days away from the first race of the season.
1: Yeah, but we're only a couple of weeks from testing.
0: Yes, testing is uh, the end of February. Last week of February, first week. Well, actually, it's. I think it starts the 27th through the 28th of February.
1: By the way, I have a bone to pick with you. Speaking of testing.
0: Okay.
1: I know that you are very particular about your standards of calendars and downloadable calendars. I started
0: working on this. But wait. Okay.
1: So I was looking ahead because we share... For our listing, we share a common family calendar Mm -hmm. that's electronic, and you post all of the Formula One stuff to that common calendar, which is great. Except that I opened it up and was looking at whatever week that is, and you have it just listed as testing, not F1 testing. So I went into this whole thing about, I wonder what testing the school's doing on the kid, and what's going on, until I figured out that it was F1 testing, not school testing or standardized testing you have it only listed at testing is too vague
0: i'm actually surprised by this because what i've been working on and and, and give you the t- so i could get the calendar to my standards is i have been working on a com and, and right now it should not be in our shared calendar so that's why i'm a little confused by this um should not be in our shared calendar it's a separate calendar feed that i have not shared with anybody yet because it is still in progress um but I was looking for something that included the testing. It includes the car launches. Um, it includes the schedule for the full race weekend. Because the intention for this year, what I'm working on, is that it's not just our calendar. But I wanna, I, I've want i looked up how to publish the A- iCal feed so that everybody can share the calendar that is to my standards.
1: The official bloke calendar.
0: Something like that, yeah. Um, so... Looking up that info, and also, since we have been talking about on and off IndyCar, I was going to include the IndyCar stuff as well. So imagine my surprise that I go over to F1's site and decide to go through to start gathering all the data for the schedules for the weekend so I can start building out the calendar. And this is as of January 14th, 2017. I go looking at the calendar on F1's own website. And for every single race so far this season, all of the details are listed as to be confirmed. I have no times whatsoever. So I'm like, okay, fine. I do a bit more research. I'm like, Melbourne's got to have the info. And sure enough, they do. And China, sure enough, they do. So I was able to pull that info. Now, they still have the disclaimer that it's to be confirmed, but at least they've got something. Then I go to race number three in Bahrain, and there's nothing. So until somebody posts the detailed schedule so that I can plug that into the calendar all the way through for the weekend, we're kind of on hold with that project. But I'm like, okay, fine, I'll deal with IndyCar at this point, because IndyCar came out and announced that their schedules are out there, and I'm like, perfect, I'll I'll at least get IndyCar taken care of. So I go to the IndyCar website, and first race of the year, as always, is the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg down in Florida, and... They have so many practice and warm-up sessions that are not televised at all that I was like, yeah, I'm not going to worry about those, but at least I'll get qualifying and I'll get the race plugged into the calendars. And they also, they're nice enough because they bounce back and forth in the U.S. between ABC and NBC Sports, uh, or excuse me, NBC Sports and ABC, they they declare who is broadcasting which event. So I'll, I'll put that in the calendar too, no problem. Get St. Petersburg done. It's in the calendar. All the times are correct because, by the way, their stuff is – no matter where it is, their times are always posted in Eastern time. Okay. It's not local time, which that caused some confusion. So then I move on to the second race of the season and discover that from the second race of the season forward, nothing's published other than the actual race time. There's nothing on qualifying. There's nothing on anything else that goes on on race weekends, just the race.
1: Okay, so might I suggest that you, for Formula One, where you only have like the days of the race, Mm -hmm. you make mark them as all-day events, and then you can go in and update them. Because if you're using a subscribe link, anything that you update will then automatically publish to everyone's calendar as they accept the subscription. I haven't
0: figured out how to do the subscribe piece. I was going to do it as the, the ICS downloadable file. So you could download it and oh, pop so it right in. Oh, so it's live. Right.
1: Okay, so now I see what you're saying. That,
0: that's what I was looking to do. So once it was all done, I was going to put it up on the website, and you could download it and enjoy it and s- memorize it, whatever you want to do. Plan out the remainder of your year around IndyCar and Formula One, which after the discussion we had with some friends last week is not nearly as weird as you might think. I know. I know.
1: Okay, so... Yeah, I see what your point is. I was hoping that you were doing a subscribe link so you could update live. You know, that way, as the NBC coverage changes from NBC Sports to regular NBC, you could update it and it would be well, accurate as of the moment you knew about
0: it. I wasn't planning on putting the broadcast info in for Formula One. Only because ninety nine percent of the time it's on something that NBC owns. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we don't know that they've shifted until oh, you know, a day before.
1: Or the day after, which is far worse.
0: Yeah. So that that's the only reason why I wasn't gonna do it. But typically for some reason, because NBC Sports respects IndyCar better, that stuff doesn't flip around and just knowing that it's on ABC or NBC Sports, that's a huge help there. And that's the only two options, as opposed to Formula One that um, they might put it on CNBC one week and NBC Sports one week and the network one week. And who knows, maybe they go crazy one week and and put it on USA. I don't know. I
1: know. (laughs) Well, anyway, notwithstanding all of the foregoing. I am asking you to kindly update what is Formula One testing in our own inherent family calendars because I don't know, but you have testing starting on the 27th of February. That's correct. And goes for four days, and then the next week it's like – starts on the 8th uh, – no, the 7th of March That's for another correct. four days?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. But again – could we label it as being Formula One? See, that's
0: I don't understand how you've got that because when I was building out the custom calendar, it, it is labeled as F one winter testing. So I don't know.
1: I don't think we'll is sort the, this out. I don't think it's that. I think it is the dates that you put in when the calendar first came out because I have all of the the race weekend dates too that you put into our family calendar.
0: I haven't done anything for for next year.
1: We have a ghost.
0: I don't know, but I have I have not put anything into our family calendar for the year for the race schedule.
1: I have the entire race schedule for the year. Well, that's interesting. In are you sure family? you're
0: looking at 2017 and not 2016?
1: Yes. Huh. I'm looking at it live right now. All right. We'll have to go and take a look at Maybe that. Maybe you were better than you think you are.
0: Maybe I am.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you did that one of your drunken nights and you don't remember
0: maybe that definitely it, it, it was drinking uh alaskans coffee brown because that's some good stuff
1: apparently
0: so let's move on from calendar discussions <laughs> actual there's a lot the of fa-
1: stuff this week. the fascinating world of how the bloke and the bird can't carry on their calendars yeah hey, it's almost a full-time job around here. Eventually, we're going to get a secretary. I doubt it. Isn't that what the boy's for? Possibly. Anyway.
0: So, word is coming from Honda that they are going to now, and and we talked a little about this last week, but we've got some more information about it, that they are going to follow Mercedes' uh, design philosophy with, the twenty seventeen engine.
1: Using that time honored tradition of, well, if it worked for the guys that are winning, maybe yes. we should do it too.
0: So a little little technique techie talk here. So we need the disclaimer.
1: Science. You transported me back to the mid eighties right Didn't there. I? And M T V videos of seeing Thomas Dolby she blinded me with science on MTV which I swore was the only video I ever saw on MTV for like a year
0: possibly I saw other stuff but anyway
1: I didn't watch MTV as much but it's like I every time I flipped MTV. to the channel it the was the only she time I watched MTV
0: science. was when somebody came over and like hey let's put on TV and they'd go right to that's that's it but anyway science content here okay <laughs> so what Honda has done the previous years, in a nutshell, is they had that that size zero uh, compact design, which everybody thought was kind of screwy. It was aimed at making the engine packaging as tight as possible. There was a split turbine and compressor situated within the confines of the V bank of the internal combustion engine. I see. I had to, that's why I had to do the, the disclaimer.
1: Okay, those words individually are English. Yes. I do not think that I understand them when they are all mashed together like that. Do well, you?
0: Well, hang on, because we're going more here, okay? okay. So Honda, you know, they they now believe, it's only taken them two seasons, but they now believe that the drawbacks of that concept outweighed the advantages. So now they're going the Mercedes-style style route of the compressor being situated at one end of the engine while the turbo is located at the other. So... What they're going to do is the two elements of the turbocharging system will be joined by a connecting shaft that runs between the inside of the V-Bank, which Mercedes does as well. And the V-Bank being the pistons because it forms a V.
1: I figured that much out.
0: Oh, okay. So as well as that, the water intercooler will be located in a niche between a chassis and the engine, which will – this is the important part – at will lower the power unit center of gravity. Oh. I figured you could you could follow that one. Okay, okay. I got center of gravity See, down. <laughs> that, that's that's why I'm talking about this is because th- there were pieces that would make sense to me. Yes. Okay. See, we, we're working on this. So, despite the you know with all of this, the engine is going to be larger than it was before, but it's believed that McLaren is still able to keep the rear end packaging of the new car very tight. We'll know this in a couple of weeks. Um, Honda has also been focusing efforts on improving the internal combustion unit engine of its package. Um, They felt that they made good engine recovery gains last year. Now, if you remember the previous year, the engine recovery system, the the energy recovery system that charges the batteries, wasn't able to generate enough electricity for them to be able to use the ERS the length of a straight. Mm -hmm. They're running out of power before the end of the lap. They believe that they have solved that issue last year and and they now have enough power so that they can focus on other parts of the engine. Okay. Um, It's also expected that Honda will adopt a multi-jet injector system to spray fuel inside the combustion chamber similar to the turbojet ignition system uh, that Ferrari has put to good use. Okay. So any idea that they can possibly steal, that's what they're doing. Got it. it's taken them long enough to sort this out
1: makes sense
0: so I, I have it on good word that in addition to this announcement coming out you know there's been a lot of turmoil over at mclaren mm-hmm. and you know they've been trying to figure out ways to to regroup and get everything together so i have it on good authority that that jonathan neal who's the, the chief operating officer now over at uh McLaren, him and, and Zach Brown, they, they, they got the troops together and, and they gave them a motivational speech. We, we've, we've got a clip up.
1: Uh oh. Ludo's
0: right. Psychotic, but absolutely right. We gotta take these bastards. Now, we could fight them with conventional weapons, that could take years and cost millions of lives. No, no, no. No, in this case, I think we have to go all out. I think this situation absolutely requires that a really futile and stupid gesture be done on somebody's part. We're just the guys to do it. Let's do it.
1: you trying to say that the development program at McLaren is a stupid and futile gesture?
0: No. I'm saying that th- that was how they motivated everybody, and, and they all went running out and yelling and screaming, and, and, I mean, it might end up that what they come up with is, is stupid and futile. However, after all of this, after all of this, Jonathan Neal came forward. Um, actually, no, it, yeah, it was Jonathan Neal came forward and told the press that they now believe— that um fourth is where they're going to end up and they would be disappointed based on all of the advances that they have had they would be disappointed that in 2017 if they could not make it to fourth
1: oh (laughs) like a phoenix rising from its death (laughs) from from
0: ninth to fourth now to be to be honest that would
1: honestly give them quite a story in the press if they made it from ninth to fourth
0: yeah to be honest and and granted you know last year with with two world championship drivers they couldn't hit ninth or or they barely hit ninth they couldn't get anywhere close to this now you have a young, theoretically hotshot driver and a world champion driver, and they're targeting fourth. But to be honest, the McLaren that everybody knows, the McLaren of 2012 and earlier, fourth would have been a disappointment. True. So for them to turn around and say, if we can't hit fourth, we're gonna be disappointed. On one hand, you should already be there, and on the other, it's a disappointment anyway.
1: The problem is, I'm hard pressed <sighs> to compare the McLaren prior to Honda to this McLaren Honda era. I mean, they're just going through a different era, and that has pushed them on the on the back. I mean, that's the way it is.
0: Well, I, you know, but I'm I just s-
1: not sure that fourth is necessarily realistic. Because much like we discussed last week, everybody else is making advances, too.
0: They are. Well, the The other thing is that I, their issues are not isolated to Honda. Yes, Honda has been a big issue. They have underproduced and underperformed across the board with this engine. But if you look at what has transpired prior to them shifting over to the Honda engine, you know... 2012, they had arguably the fastest car on the grid, but they had technical issues in the pits and elsewhere, reliability problems and all kinds of issues that cost them truly being at the championship and cost, because it was really Lewis who had the best chance of winning the driver's championship over, over Jensen. All of those issues were what cost him the championship that year. Lewis seeing things that were not getting better, up and left the team and went to Mercedes. But 2013, McLaren was still a Mercedes team. Right, They weren't the works team anymore, but they were still a Mercedes team. And they slid backwards. So that backslide started at least in 2012, if not further back. And Honda just aggravated the issue.
1: There are many problems at McLaren, not one, there, and there is no silver bullet to solve any of them. Mm-hmm. That's the way I will sum that up. Okay, but I'm interested to see how close to fourth they get. I think they might want to suggest that you might want to be happy with sixth.
0: I I think if fifth or sixth, maybe a bit more. You know, maybe they should just target. And a granted, Force India ended up in fourth. But maybe they should just target not so much the position, as we want to beat force India.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe not aim quite so high as Williams. Although you know, being a garageista team like Williams was, targeting Williams isn't. Ne- I mean, you're you're aiming for a peer at that point. Yeah. But maybe you want to target more force India and 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 just leave it at that.
1: You know, given the way the past few years are going, I, I would target beating Toro Rosso at this point.
0: Well, that they did do it. No. No, not at night. They ninth. did not. They did not at ninth. You're <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Because they beat Sauber.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, even just beating the newcomer Haas would be a good answer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That that more than anything else would have been great if they could have at least beaten the guys who just showed up with their tool bags, a, a, a crate load of parts from Ferrari and, and a chassis built by Delara, and said, "Okay, we're here."
1: <laughs> the mental image of you know Haas showing up at the grid with the like IKEA like instruction manual <laughs> yes. to put all of that together. <laughs> here is me and my Allen wrench, and I'm going to show up on the grid, and yet beat the world champion team that is mclaren yeah pretty phenomenal if you really think about it
0: so moving over to red bull another team that has is targeting some performance improvements they have announced that they are uh completely redesigning their ers Um, basically they believe that they have hit gone as far as they can with the current design um, and while they don't believe that their ERS is underperforming, um, at least compared to previous, well, the last couple of races of the season, you know, on Red Bull's performance, not their performance, right. but they think that there is some room to grow in a different direction for them to head. So they are branching out with a completely new ERS.
1: Let's get risk.
0: It has a lot of risk.
1: I mean, you roll the dice, you gamble, you get it right, awesome. You roll the dice, you gamble, you get it wrong. You're McLaren,
0: pretty much, and and not just McLaren, but now you're going to have a knock-on effect on two other teams who were already really ticked off at you over the lack of development that you've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the big question: is are we going to see an you know an actual performance in? Gr- Increase like we saw throughout 2016 or is this going to be more like the 2014 2015 transition where not only did you not increase performance but you took a step backwards
1: yeah it's a risk maybe they can run it in testing and see how it does to decide whether or not it shows up on the grid in melbourne
0: well that that's the whole point of winter testing and but the question is how far down this road that if this fails yeah. can they recover
1: it, it puts me in mind sometimes of that push-pull uh, suspension system that we went through a couple of years ago where, you know, yeah. on paper, you got more if you went with one direction versus the other. But the teams that went the other direction, it's so hard to get that right that they wound up having to go backwards to get the, others, the other system. Yeah.
0: So tires are also awesome new next year. <laughs> oh, yes, and yes, and no for where we're headed here. Um, they're wider, which will actually have an impact on performance because the wider tires mean that they're not as aero dependent for grip. Okay, of course, they changed the aerodynamics so that they undid everything that they were achieving with the tires. But the other thing is, you know, there's been a lot of complaints because of the aero dependency over the tires overheating and them not being as durable right so pirelli is making changes to the compounds that's why there's been all the testing that has gone and they're making changes to the compounds to make them much more durable and be able to last a lot longer um based on pirelli's early because the the trouble that pirelli has had is that they haven't run these on a 2017 car because nobody's had them They've tried to simu- They've had several teams try and simulate the expected levels of downforce. However, it, it's still believed that they didn't come close to what is actually going to be on those cars. Oh. So Pirelli has been forced to estimate, and what Pirelli does in these situations is that they go very conservative. Mm-hmm. So the belief is that these are going to be very, very durable tires with very low degradation.
1: Which means less pit stops.
0: Right. So now you have to decide, are you one that likes the impact that pit stops have on a race? Or do you not like it? Are you okay with the single pit stop? Where, in theory, if these are low degradation tires, drivers can push harder on these tires. And we've heard this before going into Russian. And when people come out of Russian and go, yeah, but this is boring. Mm-hmm. Even though they want more of the pushing. I know. So, yeah, we'll see how this works. Now, further complicating issues is Pirelli, is it, because Pirelli is using winter testing just like the teams are to try and get a, an understanding as to what they need to do and if there are last-minute adjustments that need to happen with the tire, even though they're already announcing tires for for races coming through uh, the, the first half of the season. Um They're expecting that the teams are going to be doing a bit of sandbagging because they don't want everybody else to know what they've achieved. Ah. So that's going to make it even more complex.
1: Well, and we know that that happens in testing. That's why you and I always say that you can't predict anything off the season based on testing. Yeah. I mean, because seriously, if you looked at last year's testing, Mercedes you know, ran an engine for like two times the race distance or three times the race distance. It was
0: bulletproof engine. It It was a bulletproof
1: engine and what happened to Lewis through the season. Yeah. Not so bulletproof.
0: I I think you can get some idea. Not a lot and and I wouldn't I wouldn't bet your season on it. I wouldn't bet the season, but I think some of the leaders are gonna show right away. You know, If Mercedes' new package is strong or if, if they've still got a work to do, we'll know within probably that first week of testing mm-hmm. whether or not they've got that sorted out or there are big problems over there. Um, if it looks like drivers are struggling with the ha- – even if the engines are dialed down, if it looks like drivers are struggling with the handling of the car, we'll know. Now how bad it is that we may not know, but we should get some general idea of how ready they are for the season.
1: Readiness I think we'll we'll see more of.
0: Yeah. So moving on to other news. Okay. Esteban Gutierrez has ended up dry seatless right. for twenty seventeen since uh, he did not score any points in 2017 and, and had a, a fairly disappointing season over at Haas and um, let his frustrations show towards the end of the season. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, he has announced, nobody else has announced, but Esteban has announced that he will be racing in Formula E at least starting in April. Okay. What nobody knows.
1: What team? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah no team has announced that he's going to be driving for them he hasn't announced that he's signed a deal with the team he's announced though that he's racing in formula e so the question is will he be racing for an actual team or will this be the power wheels team
1: (laughs) or possibly he'll be running alongside the track
0: and race that way (laughs) Yes,
1: he's
0: gonna make up all his ground because he will never have to change cars Right, he will be running. Yeah, I, I
1: can't.
0: yeah, so, sort that one out. But he says in April he will be on the grid. If in Formula, Formula e. e.
1: Well, all of those Esteban Gutierrez fans out there will need to keep their eyes peeled on the Formula E schedule to make sure that they don't miss a second of Esteban Gutierrez.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Don't put that in the calendar, okay?
0: Okay. You know, I briefly thought about putting the Formula E schedule in it, and I'm like, eh, nah.
1: Yeah, they probably don't have times either.
0: Yeah, that's possible too. But So this week, as we mentioned last week, is the big Autosport International show. Yes. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I really wish we could go because you know, we mentioned Williams is a huge partner. This year, because it's Williams' 40th anniversary, Um, You know, last year they had the hospitality motorhome set up that you could tour. This year, what they did is they set up a period correct recreation of the Williams Engineering Garage from 40 years ago. Oh, wow. With all the logos and everything that they have set up. In addition to all the other heritage things that are around.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. There's also an indoor um autosport display show of some sort there is racing going on indoors as part of this um and stunt stuff and go-kart racing and, and all kinds of stuff that's happening over there in addition to everything else that's happening it sounds like it's a really neat show maybe one year we'll get to go or you know i think it's next weekend at uh it's now marlins park where they're playing in downtown miami uh that's going to be where the race of champions is held so they're setting up the park for those races and all the journalists are headed down for that uh including jenny Gao is bringing her three-month-old her three-month-old baby on this trip
1: jenny Gao has a three-month-old yes ah
0: yes that she was asking for ba she was asking british airways for tips on how to travel on a long-haul flight with a three-month-old
1: cat service
0: yeah Somebody recommended uh, traveling with the grandparents,
1: which apparently is happening. (laughs) Grandparents are big helps on those too. I think the cots are adorable.
0: Yeah. So, as part of the the Auto Sport International, you know, a lot of current and well, mainly previous drivers are speaking. A lot of journalists are speaking. Former world champion. 1997 world champion Jacques Villeneuve mm-hmm. um was speaking at this. Okay. And I think it it it's better that that we cover this this way as opposed to trying to replay Jacques's comments cuz Jacques is one of those that I find him hard to listen to. His tone and his accent makes him him, him challenging to too. listen to. So Our so 10%. better we do this. So let me relay Jacques' comments here.
1: Will you make pauses so that we can make appropriate commentary throughout?
0: Potentially. Okay. Okay. So he is comp- he's comparing F one the current F one with the year in which um, his father Gilles race and Gilles is the the track in Montreal is actually named for Gilles Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. Um, Jacques said that because because the cars were dangerous and it was difficult to overtake, there was a lot more respect between drivers. He said, you never saw drivers weave down a straight line. You never saw a driver break on the inside of the track. He would keep line, break on outside, and try and break later. It was clean and respectful. They banged into each other, but there were mistakes. Now you see a video game where drivers think they are inside a video game. There is no respect. What is respect? It's not even in their dictionary. Everything is fine. You can't get hurt.
1: I kind of disagree with him on this one.
0: Oh, no, no. His comments here are targeted specifically at one driver and one driver only. Max? Uh Uh-huh. I mean, Max has come under criticism for braking and and changing direction within the braking zone. It is well known that that is how Max prepares for all of these races and and where he, he does a lot of his... Driver type training for these f1 races is by playing the various video games. He's got the full simulator set up for his Xbox and he's playing the f1 game. This is aimed square excuse me squarely at max. yeah So moving on
1: so you know young upstarts get off my lawn moment there then he
0: targeted. DRS and the changes that have been made.
1: Yes. Now, I will say this. There are a couple of points throughout his entire conversation that I actually liked and had some agreement with, and so go ahead.
0: So he said, the fans kept complaining and saying there's not enough overtaking, there's not enough of this, not enough of that. By listening to that, what did F1 do? Okay, let's have DRS. We'll have a hundred overtakings in a race. But name me one overtake that you remember since DRS you don't. With DRS, it's a case of, okay, let's not take a risk. Let's just push a button. Now you see cars overtake on a highway. You don't see proper racing because of that. We get tons of overtaking, but it's boring. It defeats the purpose. In motorbike race, sometimes it takes a rider 10 laps to overtake, but in these laps, you see the work that goes into it.
1: Okay, stop because I have my comments. One, one of the reasons you see the work that a motorbike does is because you see the whole driver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's just
1: stop there for a second. The other thing that I find interesting is there are overtakes, I remember, since DRS. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think of two years ago, Bahrain, um, Hamilton, Rosberg battle in particular.
0: We have seen quite a bit. A quite few a few really good moments in, with Max in the last two years and Max in particular who you know he has targeted in this mm-hmm. has done some really impressive defensive moves now granted he said he complains about breaking in or uh changing direction in, in the breaking zones and all but he has done some really impressive defensive moves against Kimi in Barcelona against Nico in Montreal and several other areas so yeah
1: I'm, I'm down with you there now the thing that i do have some level of agreement with is f1 as a sport did take a bit of a turn when they decided to it's not that they were listening that i felt like they lost ground when they started listening to fans but what i think happened was they allowed the fans to determine the sport versus the sport determining what it was going to be. And I find that that's put F1 in the position that it's in today. Instead of saying, we are the pinnacle of Mm motorsport, and we're going to be the best kind of motorsport we can be, and these are the parameters that we'll live under, they've allowed the fans to come in and go, okay, well, what we want to see is these things... But the problem is, as technology has increased, the fan doesn't see the, some of the stuff that's going on in the cars. It, you made a point last week that some of the flashy um, chassis changes mm-hmm. of years past aren't available anymore because we've kind of maxed out some of those flashy changes. And now we're looking at degree shifts in, in fin alignment, yeah. which nobody with the naked eye is going to actually see. Yeah. So you don't see the eight-wheel cars on the track anymore, the six-wheel cars on the track. You don't see these crazy ideas hit the track anymore because they're all fine-tuned minutias that are going to get you a 20th of a second advantage. But a 20th of a second advantage is, a, is light years in the Formula One world.
0: Well, you know, I kind of even wonder that if they had allowed even the return of... The movable aerodynamic pieces, Mm -hmm. if even that could have brought some more visual interest to the cars and what's going on as opposed to these – the random fins and bits and stuff like that because you would see the car interacting with the track. Right. Potentially.
1: And – I think that some of the issue of today is a twofold problem. One, the tech is so sophisticated that it's minute mm-hmm. um, in appearance. But I think the drivers themselves have done a disservice to the stress of Formula One. One of the things that you don't, you you know, you hear on the radios and you, you see a driver emerge from the car and he hasn't necessarily, like, he's not soaked in sweat From the years past, although I swear every time Lewis Hamilton gets out of the car, you see that he's wearing red underpants. (laughs) I swear it. Um, Because his back is always absolutely soaked and he wears a white jumpsuit. Um, But I think that you don't get the appreciation for some of the work that gets put into those cars. And some of that has to do with the fact that we have drivers that are in better shape than they were 20 years ago. It wasn't yeah. until Schumacher came along that the drivers weren't drinking and smoking all the time.
0: They've got now these fitness programs that are designed to help them cope with the stresses of the car. And I don't think the drivers turning or any of the drivers turning around and saying it's too easy – helps the sport in any way and you combine that with the impression that that the the lifting coast calls and preserving tires and all of that and it does not give the sport a good impression
1: right and i think in this case it's perception is dictating reality versus Mm -hmm. what is reality you know i listened this past week i've been catching up on podcasts and i listened to the five live podcast about nico rosberg's end of his season and They did an interview with him before he announced his retirement. And Tom Clarkson was, I believe, was doing the interview. And they were talking about the stress of the season itself. And Nico made the comment that every week um, throughout the entire year, um, if he was home, Vivian had to take care of the kid. Mm -hmm. He couldn't do anything but focus on F1. And when he put it into... His words and his description, I mean, Vivian took on the overnights with the kid. The, Nico everything. Didn't. He
0: didn't get up for it. He didn't do anything.
1: He he rested, regrouped. He, he did what he needed to do. And it was an interesting way he said it about everything in my life and my entire family was all about F1 this year. Mm-hmm. There was no distraction. Now, that could be a little dig at, at Lewis, who— lives a dual life yeah but it was in order for nico to perform at the top of his game he was in a fully immersive single thought process world yes i don't think lewis functions like that i don't, I don't think, think lewis can singularly functions singularly like but that. but
0: and 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 i, w- I want to make clear before i say, say the the next thing that that's fine. It's Lewis's life. Mm-hmm. That's the way, and, and, and I have absolutely no problem with it whatsoever. He He's living his life the way that works for him. But that is what he has been criticized for from a lot of former drivers. They believe, you know, whether it's Sir, Sir Jackie Stewart or whomever, they believe that, that all of that is a distraction to him.
1: Right. I think that they think in, in minds of, okay, he's this good, distracted. How mm-hmm. much better could he be if he had that laser single focus? But you and I both look at him and say, we don't think that that laser single focus would be sustainable for Lewis. But even... Like, he needs a, the mental break through this process.
0: R- regardless of that, if he wants to go out and do... You know, jet set across country, across the globe between races, and he ends up second. He understands it. That that's, that's what happens. And, yeah, he can be all mopey and, and grumpy about it. it. Lewis is controlling his destiny. Oh, yeah. It's his career and his destiny, and let him go do it and whatever.
1: But back to Nico, and my whole point was him winning that world championship was a dedication not just of Nico and all of Nico's team. Mm-hmm it was a dedication of every single person and human that interacted with his world from February to November. Yes. Period. And you don't see that necessarily in the season, and I don't think that Jacques really is appreciating in his statements how much of that changes the way the fan sees the F1 driver as opposed to the James Hunt days. Yeah. Where you saw the drivers, you know, partying it up and they were big playboys in Sir Sterling. That was the playboy that, you know, on the weekend came out and drove. Well, these guys are driving faster, better, stronger. They're doing less damage to their bodies because they're in better shape. Mm -hmm. They're able to sustain better G-forces. They're able to do things that are invisible to the eye that I'm telling you, if you sat down in one of those cars, the average human can't do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's the comprehensive fitness plans and nutrition plans and all all of that that goes along with the modern F1 driver that didn't exist 40 years ago.
1: Well, I can tell you after we were at um, mid-Ohio at the Indy races and we sat down in the two-person Indy car mm-hmm. just – to sit down and try it on i remember getting in it without any issues whatsoever and going hey this is surprisingly you know comfortable and roomy and it's it's i mean it's built for somebody that's not tiny and tight and and the seats
0: weren't in there either
1: the, the seats weren't in there but getting back out just the action of getting back out and realizing that you have to do that in f1 in like halves of seconds
0: yeah
1: um to get back out was not easy
0: but also keep in mind there is one minor difference between us climbing into that 2 seat car w- without taking into account the physical training and any other stuff um, but one minor difference with us climbing in and out of that car and your average formula one driver climbing in and out of that car Average Formula One driver isn't told, well, don't step on that part and don't touch this area and, and stay away from that. Okay, yeah, it, it was a little th- bit of a <laughs> twister climb to get
1: in and out. but For and them,
0: the team goes, all right, if you break it, we'll deal with it. <laughs> for us, you break it, we're, we're, we're taking your house. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah. I mean, there was a bit of a twister piece of it, but I was just talking about that. You know, you see Lewis pop out of that car at the mm-hmm. end of the race. There was no popping up to go stand. You know, stand in where the seat section yeah. was. That was all stuff we could have stood on. There but, was no popping.
0: But but, mm. but the team isn't going to yell at Lewis when he pops up out of that car and he gets up on the nose and he jumps up and down. No. If we had climbed out of that car and jumped up and down on the nose, the Honda folks who were standing right over there would have absolutely (laughs) lost it.
1: They might have had a slight issue. I mean, (laughs) yes.
0: Let's be clear here. (laughs) So, moving on. You you mentioned Sir Sterling. We have some news about Sir Sterling, um, who is, by the way, 87 years old. Um, He was admitted to hospital. Dece- we just got word of this this week, but he was admitted to hospital on December 22nd in Singapore due to a serious chest infection. Apparently, there have been some complications that have slowed down his recovery. He is still being in the 87.
1: Hospital. That yeah. would be
0: one of them. Um, he is now apparently in stable condition. Uh, spokesman from his office states that he is in good spirits, but he is upset because he missed a. a his scheduled christmas cruise with his friends Ah, yes um the lady ma says that she could not wish for a better facility or a more qualified team the expectation is that when he is discharged we don't know when that is but when he is discharged he's expected to remain in singapore for a bit longer to recover before returning to the uk
1: well that is a very long flight and with a chest infection that can be a little bit difficult yeah on zeal breathing
0: yeah so other former driver negatives. martin brundle
1: martin brundle
0: now martin brundle he's he's a former formula one driver he's driven in le mans for a bit um for those who are unfamiliar he's also a currently a commentator for Sky Sports F1, Mm -hmm. um, which doesn't mean a whole lot to the American fans, except we occasionally see him um, doing the podium interviews as well. As a matter of fact, he did the podium interview in Monaco. One of the things that happened this past year, um, after he gave the podium interview at Monaco, there was a, a tweet that went out. Um, just before the Canadian Grand Prix that he said that he had a medical procedure due to a heart issue that kept him for, from participating in the Canadian Grand Prix coverage. and He didn't even go to Montreal. We got a little more information about what happened and give you an idea of just how tough Martin Brundle is. Okay. What actually happened is that while running to do the podium interview in Monaco, he had a heart attack he gave the interview the, the podium interview while he was suffering from a minor heart attack finished the interview goes off has this this uh, the, the medical procedure which turned out to be uh, they put in a 23 millimeter stent in his left arterial descending um, but he was also supposed to go and then run uh, pr- race in Le Mans. So he didn't think he could do the race. However, the cardiologist said to him, yeah, you can do the race, just don't forget your your blood thinners. So after getting the stint put in, he goes over to Palmer Sport, does 75 laps in the car, and goes and runs Le Mans. He said he had a couple of bruises come on his chest coming out of it. Um, they ended up um, in second... His teammates, by the way, were a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old. And he thinks to himself, that's not bad for an old geezer at 57. And finished second.
1: Can I just say wow? (laughs) Wow. Now, I am a little shocked. And, you know, I, I will say this. I am a little shocked that his doctor was okay with him running it on blood thinners only because blood thinners reduce clotting mm-hmm. mechanisms. So had he had any issues like an accident? Yeah. Um internal bleeding alone would have concerned me.
0: But now, now he he did lemon in an LMP3 car which and, and did this 2 weeks later. And by the way, set pole in his class. Wow. <laughs>
1: wow well i'm just sorry that he was you know so unable to attend the montreal grand prix because apparently he's a wuss (laughs) (laughs) i mean you'd still have your head on your forehead doing your best camille (laughs) impression
0: if you went through
1: that oh so i guess martin brundle does not get man sick
0: Apparently not. Yeah. Two weeks after going and getting a stint put in, he's he's sitting on pole at Le Mans.
1: Wow. See, Jacques Villeneuve, uh, drivers of today are far tougher stuff than drivers of yesterday. And,
0: and, and not just getting the stint, but, you know, giving the podium interview while having a heart attack.
1: Okay, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. They did say it was minor, though.
0: Yeah. He, he did say it was a minor. It, it, well, he said it was a small heart attack. Running to do the podium in Monaco, which, as I recall, we were watching the Sky Sports coverage of Monaco flying back from Seattle, and there was the whole debate during the coverage about the jacket that he was going to wear. They delivered the jacket to the booth for Martin to wear.
1: Right. No the indication
0: jacket. of any of this.
1: Yeah. The the jacket has arrived. I mean, it was a big deal. And <laughs> then you got to see him in his jacket on the podium. Wow. Yeah. Go, Martin. <laughs> Whoa. You are a tough guy.
0: We had rumors a few weeks. Actually, it was. Yeah. It was you a know. Few... Okay.
1: I'm going to. Sorry. i got to interrupt you one more time. From now on, you're going to hear somebody has had a heart attack, and you're going to go, you like, had to be rushed to the hospital or this, that, and the other thing, and you're going to go, well, Martin Brundle didn't have to do that. He gave an interview on the steps (laughs)
0: yeah, in Monaco. The the, the palace in Monaco.
1: Yeah, so obviously, uh, you're a wuss.
0: So somewhat rumor and speculation time here. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, Pat Simmons left Williams. Right. And a couple weeks before that, we had the rumor that it was Patty Lowe was going to leave. He was going to take Pat's place over at Williams. Pieces continue to fall in place here. Mm -hmm. Um, Mercedes has confirmed that Patty Lowe has, in fact, departed the team. No word yet on that he has actually picked up a position over at Williams. There's some thoughts here that all of this is tied up into the driver situation. Yeah. Because there is apparently, even with the contract ending, and, and we're trying to sort this out, there is still that, that gardening leave requirement so that there, there's the, the no-compete clauses and all of that stuff. There's a theory here that that's part of what's being wrapped up into the negotiations to get Valtteri to drive for Mercedes, is that if... In addition to releasing Valtteri from from his contracts, maybe there's some engines involved. Maybe there's also something that would waive the requirement for Patty to go on to gardening leave.
1: Interesting.
0: So then the other piece is who would replace Patty at Mercedes. And again, we're still in rumor country here, but the theory is that It's going to be James Allison, who is himself on guarding leave from the parting Ferrari.
1: (laughs) This is like the worst game of three card monty ever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But also available and moving around, uh, Frederick Visser has left uh, his position uh, in senior management over at Renault. You know, Renault basically had. The, the, the three co-bosses running the team, he has up and left citing that uh, it's because his vision of where the team should go is, is different from Cyril Abitbull and the rest of the team, that that he recognized something that BlackBerry possibly hasn't recognized, that you can't have four bosses. Whoa. Yeah. That doesn't help. Renault has said that they will not be replacing uh, Frederick Veserk. Interesting. Again, possibly recognizing that you can't have four bosses. Okay. We'll see where that goes. So while we're speaking about Renault, a little connection here, you know, their, their driver, Julian Palmer, his dad, Jonathan, former F1 driver, owns um, a company called Motorsport Vision, which has either ownership or roles in operating several race courses around Europe. Right. Well word came out this past week and and this is where I'm a little confused, because I've seen headlines and reports that he has bought Donnington Park, that, that the company has bought Donnington Park. I've also seen headquarter or er, headlines and, and stories that he has acquired the park and in others that say that it's a twenty one year lease.
1: Now so since he is me, running the park in some form, some way, somehow. Yes.
0: So he, his company now has some kind of stake in the operation and control and ownership of Donington Park, potentially as a lease for the next 21 years, but we don't know exactly what that means. Why I mention that, not just because of Jonathan's now tangential relationship to Formula One, but we've got the whole situation going on with Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Donington made a bit, and, and actually Donington... Uh, hosted the European Grand Prix one year, okay, um, and made a bid in 2010 to take over the British Grand Prix and lost that bid. Okay, they're not Grade One certified; they're Grade Two certified course now. But Donington came out the day before this deal was announced and said that should Silverstone lose um, the the British Grand Prix, they ha- did not intend who put in a bid to get it interesting and then the next day we hear that jonathan palmer's company has acquired the stake in the park which makes you wonder of how valid now is that previous statement
1: interesting
0: yeah I i found that all that timing to be very curious
1: because then the other thought is, is it more valid because it's in advance of the next person? Did Was that a, a stipulation of them taking over the park, that they would not want to put in a bid for Formula One because it's not necessarily a cash cow? I mean, there's all sorts of things.
0: Yeah. Um, what the managing and, – and I don't know if he's still a managing director, but at the time, what the managing director of Donington said – his name is, is Christopher – tate he said that they've set a very clear target of keeping the trace of the circuit as it is they've no interest in hosting modern high-speed single-seaters because they'd have to completely change donnington park ah um and then on top of that he says that the business model makes no sense to anyone and all the messing around with the f1 calendar has a terrible impact on the rest of motorsport but he believes that in order to get them grade certified, the changes to the park are, are things that they are not willing to do.
1: Oh, that makes perfect sense to me.
0: It does. And then you see Jonathan Palmer step in and take over.
1: But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's interested in having Formula One there.
0: And it's true. And, and I don't believe any of the tracks that he currently owns or manages or whatever it is are grade one certified and host a Formula One race. Right. But I don't know if that's maybe something that he wants to get into. And any other question is, since his company buys up tracks and Silverstone's for sale, if he wanted to host the British Grand Prix, why not jump into Silverstone?
1: Yeah. Unless, unless,
0: ooh. This is a way to negotiate a new deal that makes better sense than what Silverstone has.
1: Well, there's that piece. But if Silverstone announces that they don't want, that they're going to break the contract. Mm Mm-hmm. And they break it, and then the park sells, because maybe that's one of the reasons why Silverstone can't sell is because they're tied to this contract that makes no sense, Mm -hmm. and then it sells. The new owner could be in a position to renegotiate.
0: Possibly. However, now that this letter has come out that says that BRDC and Silverstone Circuit Limited are considering exercising this exit clause that comes into play in 2019, well, now we're getting word that uh, the track is talking to local and to the British government about some some funding arrangements because they don't get any government funding. Well, now they're talking about some funding arrangements and and possibly getting some money to help them out so that they can continue to host the race. So there's that. There's also word... And, and this is what I suspect was the real reason, is there is also word that um, Derek Warwick in the BRDC has now had some conversations with Chase Carey over at Liberty Media regarding the situation. Ah. And that then becomes the next question of if Bernie says, you know, I've got all these other tracks who are more than happy to take your place, I don't need you. But Chase Carey says, no, Silverstone is instrumental. We cannot let them leave. Will he? Would he overrule Bernie Eccleston to rethink the deal?
1: Interesting.
0: And I don't know.
1: I would hope he would, but that's just me.
0: I don't know. Speaking of Liberty Media. Yes. This week is a very... Very key point in their acquisition.
1: Okay, one, one
0: of the many key points. But this week, the deal goes in front of a very special group. F O M. No, the F I A World Council.
1: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All righty.
0: Um, yeah, it goes up for discussion in front of them. That's going to be on the 17th. Um, and I believe that may actually be... Well, that, that is expected to be the last uh, stop point before the FIA itself gives their blessing. Nice. So things are slowly moving, and we'll see where that goes. Into our last bit of news. And this is, I guess... The way things are have, have been going, uh, it doesn't completely surprise me that there's now confusion over the situation. Um, but we got word this week that Manor had a week left to sort this out. That right. was the deadline. They needed to find somebody who, who who could come in and bail the team out by the end of this coming week because that was the deadline for them to go and actually start production on the car. Okay. Okay then there was some more news that came out okay um there are some things that i agree with and i think are, are great and others that i think kind of suck um and actually before i even get to that one of the the uh folks who was expected to have been a leading candidate to take over the team when it was for sale in december was tavo Helmond. tavo Helmond, if you recall um he is one he was one of the key players to bring back to bring the grand prix to Austin and to bring back the Mexican grand prix correct so he has got some background and he had mentioned in Mexico that they were that his group was working on a plan to get more involved with a team right somehow that fell apart i don't know if maybe it, That is what they're hoping to to pull out of the fire in the next week or so. But the other piece of information that came out is that the team has gone back over the books and taken another look at things, and they've realized that they've got enough money in the bank to at least pay the staff through the end of the month okay thereby giving them a reprieve they could keep things going the lights on and keep things going until the end of the month so they don't have until the end of this week they've got another week before that's it and they've got to turn the lights out but the other thing that could help them and this is in all honesty as much as i want to see Manner survive and succeed i don't like but the other thing that could help them is apparently the team has already gotten approval from the fia That in order to keep the team on the track in 2017, they can use a 2016 chassis with modifications to bring it into compliance for 2017. And that bothers me.
1: Why does that bother you?
0: Because at that point, you have a team that is not progressing. So you've got all these other teams that have done every other team on the grid that has done this development work and everything to make the cars fast. And supposedly, we're talking cars that are supposed to be five seconds a lap faster. They've done all this development work to make their cars faster, and you're letting one team stay back on a chassis that is essentially their 2016 spec car. This is as bad as Sauber running 2016 engines. I don't like this idea of regardless of the reason that you allow a team to run unimproved parts, parts that were designed for the previous season while the rest of the grid moves on and changes their focus and develops and improves for the coming year. You're not creating a situation for a team to improve and move on.
1: I understand your point of view. Um, I would suggest that if they could get a reprieve on bleeding money, they could possibly be able to regroup and get further ahead. But the money situation, as it stands now, within F one does not promote their advancement anyway.
0: I would see, and I would rather. FOM or FIA or whoever come up with a financial bailout package that was intended to be just enough to allow them to design and produce the car that meets the specs then to turn around and allow a a team to continue to run previous year's components and parts and equipment because especially when you've got a team like Manor that is a lot of the reason why they're struggling is because they they're not having success and that success is translating into the marketability of the team and without being able to market the team they can't bring in the sponsors that gives them the money that allows them to achieve more and do more Mm -hmm. so by allowing them to run the 2016 chassis or Sauber to run a 2016 engine especially for those teams, a little different than, than a Toro Rosso situation where, where they're funded by somebody else, you're not putting them into a position where they can show success on the track to start starting that cycle of improvement and bringing in the better finances and bringing in all the other bits and pieces that are needed to allow the team to move into a healthy position. Mm-hmm. You're consigning them to... Stay at the back. You're consigning them to continue to struggle and, and leaving all of the various bits and pieces that have put them in this position to begin with, and you're amplifying it. Yeah. That's my problem. That's why I, I would much rather, as much as I want them to succeed and I want them to survive, I would much rather they go away than to hang on with last year's cars just to say that, well, we still exist. Mm-hmm. That's my issue.
1: I understand. I understand. It's a, it's a rock and a hard place, truly. Um, I don't want them to not advance, but I just don't see a monetary path. Uh, it's If this is like a, a, a path to success, I don't see it. They're, they're already so far behind that is there any amount of possibility that they could be competitive even at the back marker piece and that's
0: even if it was incur finding a way to encourage drivers with money and budget to be able to be available to join the team Mm mm-hmm even if that's what – and it wasn't a bailout package that came from FOM or whatever, but it was just a matter of they could encourage drivers with money or, or drivers to find money who would be available to drive for the team and that way bring in the additional funding. I would be okay with that. And that way it's not a matter of the you know the, the teams giving charity to, to – a team that is being poorly managed. And and that's the other thing is there would have to be an approval process of, yeah, these are all the ways that we've gone and we haven't gone and dumped the money away on, on making sure that, that our 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 engineers are always flying in first class or what you know, we are doing stuff to make our 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 entire team as efficient and cost effective as possible. But when the engine costs eighteen million dollars, there's nothing we can do about this.
1: Well, yeah, and the other concern that I have is that by running the old chassis, even with modifications, um, that they're going to run into the 107, 107% rule.
0: And, and that goes back to the, how is a team supposed to show success when they've got a chassis that doesn't let them qualify?
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they make it through this month though. Yeah. I think before you start to get angry about what chassis they're running, we got to see that they, they survive January 31st.
0: Now, the senior management at Manor has come out and said that they want to do the full season. They are committed to doing the full season. If they cannot run a full season, they don't even want to bother. Interesting. The reason why that's important is because based on the way the rules work, the team can miss up to three races – before they are completely ineligible to compete at all and and are not allowed on the grid. So they can go as far as um, Bahrain, if they miss up to Bahrain, Mm -hmm. or or excuse me, they miss up to Russia. They have to be on the grid in Russia in order to, to take part in the season. So they could potentially not have everything lined up in time. But again, if you've not developed a car, you're not able to take part in testing, and your first race is race number four, what chance do you have?
1: Well, at that point, they're just looking to be able to score a point or two and see if they could get in the points.
0: But what's the possibility that you're going to score a point at, at, at that level? Yeah. So, yeah. We'll, I,
1: I just – I don't know.
0: We'll keep an eye on that and see what happens, and, you know – Everybody, go go through your pockets and see what you've got for pocket change. And, you know, I, I believe right now it's about $1.50. It'll, it'll get you a good share of Manor and uh, help things out over there.
1: And pocket lint.
0: You know, uh, uh, we, we hear all these podcasts doing these Patreon stuff. Maybe Manor should do a Patreon thing. Maybe. I, th- I think that, that actually that could d- derive a lot of value.
1: Could be the people's team. I,
0: you know what? I would well, y- you got to be careful though, because if you recall, Caterham's last race of this uh, of existence was a crowdfunded race. right. And it was kind of a joke. Yeah. I, I would I would be willing to pitch in to manner to ensure that they went through the whole season as opposed to a single race. There you go. Stephen Fitzpatrick set up the Patreon account. We will pitch in i am I am willing to assist Manor
1: how much what percentage of your allowance are you allowing
0: are willing i I haven't figured you can you can start um as low as i from what I hear from from these other groups as as low as like fifty cents a month so you know and and at that point we would be sponsoring a formula one team. Sure. there you go.
1: there you go but you know. We are very proud of the fact that we are a self-funded podcast.
0: We are. We, now, we, we we are willing to accept sponsorships, but outside of that, we are self-funded. There's Correct. a difference.
1: We are not beholden to any F1 entity out, other than ourselves.
0: You know, maybe we, we, we should be to some extent, because then somebody might answer our question as to what Seb named the
1: car or if we'll get stats and weights of mosses or lengths of hulkenbergs
0: I, I'm, I'm working on both of those uh, i am hopeful in the next few weeks we will have some progress on one of those three <laughs> i suspect it won't be weights of mosses or hulkenbergs but i i am hoping that we will have some progress on one of those three of course i've been saying that for the last two weeks but i am still working on it
1: ever hopeful yes Well, on our hopeful note, we should probably close the show.
0: Oh, the other thing I should mention really quick, if you have not seen it. False alarm, not closing the show now. If you have not seen it, and and I don't even know if you have watched it yet, but go and check out our our website and possibly the Twitter account or the Facebook page where we shared uh, the Red Bull team's video uh, for how they are trying to Wait out the remainder of the se- the, the off-season and, okay. and pass the time until testing starts. Alrighty. And on that note, we'll call it a show.
1: We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: Okay, are they all gone? Uh, Is is everybody gone? (laughs) Huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. (laughs) A little break? Okay.